You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us this busy week where we made a significant impact on behalf of public accountability and transparency in that Russiagate scandal, the illicit targeting of Donald Trump by the deep state. Uh, Big news there. Also, yours truly has been shadow banned by Twitter. I think it may have been lifted, uh, but Twitter has some explaining to do about how it targeted conservatives and Republicans, uh, contrary to, to the targeting of Democrats and liberals in terms of a potential shadow ban. So uh, big news there. And, of course, Judicial Watch is in court, pushing hard for transparency. And, in fact, we forced the FBI to make sure that some Comey records won't be destroyed. But we're still fighting the FBI over its uh, providing aid and comfort to Mr. Comey, who was fired over a year ago for misconduct by President Trump. Uh, But first, the big news, which is uh, Judicial Watch's historic victory. We received, through a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit, the uh, infamous FOIA warrants, excuse me, FISA warrants uh, issued during the Obama administration and the Trump administration targeting the Trump team, namely Carter Page. And these warrants allege they're heavily redacted. I'll show you. I don't know if you can see online. Can, can they see video-wise? You can see the heavy redactions. I'd say, I don't know, 75% of the material is redacted. You can see an entire redacted page there. Uh, but they confirm the serious corruption that was uh, taking place with the FISA spying on the Trump team. So the allegation in these warrants is that Carter Page... Um, at the time, a former advisor to the Trump team. But when you look at the documents, it's clear they're targeting uh, the Trump campaign and uh, President Trump later. Uh, Carter Page is alleged to be an agent of a foreign power. Now, Carter Page is a veteran, and he's not an agent of a foreign power. In fact, uh, based on what he's been saying publicly, which hasn't been contravened, is that he is a cooperator with the FBI. He travels to Russia, he's interested in Russia, does business there, and he reports back to the FBI about his trips. But they had a convenient excuse in Carter Page by using, uh, which, uh, because the Clinton DNC dossier uh, pretended to tie Page to the Russians and a, as a point of contact for a collusion between the Russians and the Trump campaign. And these documents describe this. What they don't describe, uh, let me get back. So these documents show the Clinton DNC dossier was used to generate secret warrants to spy on Carter Page, namely the Trump team. And the courts were misled. There's material omissions in these documents about the nature of the information the court was given. The court was misled if you look at the documents. And I encourage you to look at the documents. They're 412 pages. As I said, heavily redacted. There's another 175 pages we haven't even seen yet. Uh, But uh, the documents show the court was misled. How was the court misled? So you know about, or you should know, that Hillary Clinton's campaign and the Democratic National Committee used a law firm to pay Fusion GPS, who worked with Christopher Steele, a former uh, spy in the United Kingdom, uh, to generate dirt on on Donald Trump then-candidate Trump. 
So Steele created this dossier, he says, using Russia intelligence sources. So you had the Clinton campaign paying for Russia intelligence sources to dig up dirt on Donald Trump. And it's pretty clear they were just making up material to make Donald Trump look bad and hoping the Clinton campaign would somehow get it into the media. They probably never dreamed it would be used by the DOJ and the FBI as justification to spy on the Trump team. But indeed it was. And it was used by, and I'm convinced this is a Peter Strzok special, that FBI agent who hated Donald Trump, talked about having an insurance policy in case he was elected. These warrants, by the way, the first issued in October of 2016. That insurance policy discussion, I believe, was in August of 2016. He talked about wanting to stop Donald Trump. And he was the number two counterintelligence official in the FBI. So you can bet he was behind this warrant. And why is this warrant disingenuous and corrupt? Because it references the Clinton DNC dossier material without telling the judges, there were four different judges because you had the original warrant and then three subsequent renewals, two of which took place during the Trump administration, believe it or not, which is kind of another scandal I'll get into. So the warrants reference the Clinton DNC dossier material without telling the courts it's Clinton DNC dossier material. Now the left, uh, not even worse, then it also, to justify the warrant, references published reports, news reports, which were generated by leaks of the, of the Fusion GPS Clinton DNC Russia collusion material. And they also refer to State Department uh, documents or materials that, uh, based on my understanding, also were variations of the Clinton DNC dossier materials. And they also reference concerns by Congress that were generated as a result of John Brennan, the CIA director, leaking it to the Congress, specifically Senator Harry Reid, with the expectation and hope, according to Reid, that uh, it would get out, which, of course, Reid dutifully did by sending a letter that was immediately leaked. So you have the Clinton DNC dossier referenced, and then three other references that the government pretends are separate but aren't separate. So talk about dishonesty. This is the equivalent of a self-licking ice cream cone. I've got this source, that source, that source, and that source, and they're all the same source. It's like my telling you, hey, guess what I heard? And you say, oh yeah, who'd you hear it from? And I tell you, me, myself, and I. Three sources. Talk about dishonesty. And who's behind this dishonesty? Dishonesty, excuse me, the FBI, the Justice Department under Barack Obama, and the FBI and Justice Department under President Trump. And I'm going to name the names. Who signed off on the warrants? Sally Yates, the disgraced former Deputy Attorney General under Obama, who was holdover temporary Attorney General, acting Attorney General for President Trump for a time before she was fired for misconduct, for refusing to defend his uh, travel ban rulings or his uh, travel ban executive order. You had James Comey sign off on these warrants, or at least one or two, I think two of them. Of course, he was fired by President Trump for misconduct, and of course, he's been caught up in a leak investigation, and he stole Trump's FBI files and leaked them illegally to the media. Andrew McCabe, deputy, attorney, uh, deputy director of the FBI, fired for misconduct under criminal investigation for unauthorized leaks, or actually for lying about his involvement in leaks. He signed off on it. Two other people did. Dana Bente, I think it's Bente, 
B-O-E-N-T-E. Now, Mr. Puente used to be an Obama administration U.S. attorney in the Eastern District of Virginia, so very much in the top leagues in the FBI or the Justice Department. Uh, after uh, Obama left office, believe it or not, he moved over to the Justice Department under, Barack, uh, under President Trump, and he then uh, left that slot. I think he was running the National Security Division. So that is probably in that capacity, I recall, he signed off on one of these warrants. Now he's working as the top lawyer in the FBI, general counsel to the FBI. So an Obama holdover that managed to be the number two official at the FBI under, not number two literally, but a top official at the FBI. And who else signed off on it? Rod Rosenstein. Now you know all about Rod Rosenstein, Obama U.S. attorney in Maryland, I think for the full eight years, and now Deputy Attorney General under President Trump, who's overseeing the Mueller operation. Now the left and the, the dishonest media would have you believe that this material backs up their ideas about Donald Trump collusion, that there was a good faith basis to have probable, there was probable cause to go after Carter Page, and that the courts really weren't misled because they said one of the key source, Fusion GPS and uh, Christopher Steele, uh, didn't, uh, ha, you know, may have been a prob- may have been political opponents of Trump. Well, that's just dishonest. And I want to read the relevant portion of the material here, so you can judge for yourself. They're online, but I know it's hard to go online sometimes and read documents. It's a big document here, and let me let me read it to you, and let me see if you can figure out if they're being honest here. Source number one, heavily redacted blank, and has been an FBI source since blank. Source number one's reporting has been corroborated and used in criminal proceedings, and the FBI assesses source number one to be reliable. This is Christopher Steele, the former UK spy. Source number one has been compensated, XXX, redacted, by the FBI. Oh, wait, the FBI was also paying. Along with, I guess they were partners with the Clinton campaign and the DNC in paying for this uh, Christopher Steele. It's been compensated by the FBI. There's a blank time. Blank, uh, source number one has been compensated, redacted, by the FBI, and the FBI is unaware of any derogatory information pertaining to source one. Source one, who now owns a foreign business financial intelligence firm, was approached by an identified U.S. person who indicated to source one that the U.S.-based law firm had hired the identified U.S. person to conduct research regarding candidate one ties to Russia, the identified U.S. person and source number one have a long-standing business relationship. So who's the identified U.S. person? It's Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS. Who's that law firm? Perkins Coy, the law firm hired by the Clinton DNC to launder money into Fusion GPS to pay for the Russia dirt. The identified U.S. person hired source number one to conduct this research. The identified U.S. person, again, Fusion GPS, never advised source number one as to the motivation behind the research into candidate one's ties to Russia. The FBI speculates that the identified U.S. person was likely looking for information that could be used to discredit candidate one's campaign. The FBI speculates. The FBI knew at the time Fusion GPS was working for the Clinton campaign. Is there anything that I read to you that you could read to suggest that Hillary Clinton and the DNC used a law firm 
to hire this former spy to dig up dirt on Donald Trump in Russia? Of course not. Anyone who suggests that this was being honest with the court is blowing smoke in your ear. Talk about corruption. And you know who needs to answer questions about this? Rod Rosenstein, who signed off on this as late as June of 2017. Oh, isn't that an interesting date, June 2017? Because it was a month or so after Robert Mueller started. So the Mueller operation is benefiting from this corrupt FISA application where the courts were gained dishonestly to get secret spy warrants on the Trump operation. And remember, Strzok was there at the time as well. Remember, concurrently, you had spies being sent to the Trump operation to try to ensnare them by the FBI and DOJ. Never before in our nation's history, certainly not in recent memory, have you had such corruption by one government agency, by, by an administration targeting its political opponent, namely the political opponent being the uh, candidate for presidency of the opposing party. Unbelievable. And what are we talking about this week? Michael Cohen having a tape about Donald Trump talking about buying a story related to a woman who accused him of having an affair with him. This is the story of our time, folks. These documents showing corruption, unprecedented, unprecedented corruption that has metastasized into a special counsel operation that continues to harass this president with no good faith basis. You want to know how bad it is now? The, it was announced this week through the New York Times. I don't know who leaked it, and I don't know if, even if it's true, but it sounds true given how outrageous the Mueller operation is. Mueller is in reading and investigating the president's tweets and public statements for evidence of conspiracy or obstruction of justice. How do you obstruct justice through public statements? I guess in theory it's possible. Say I want to get that witness. But the president giving opinions about Comey and whether Sessions is doing a good job, that's obstruction of justice? His tweets are evidence of obstruction of justice? Who is running the Justice Department? It's desperation by Mueller because there's obviously nothing for him to investigate anymore. It's abusive and it's harassment. And I'll say it once, I've said it once and I will say it again. This Mueller special counsel needs to be shut down, pardons issued to Americans targeted by him, and a real special counsel appointed, one who's honest and ethical and reports to the proper authorities and is supervised in a regular way to investigate the corruption behind the current special counsel operation. Remember, uh, and this um, shows, no Clinton DNC dossier, no secret warrants, because the Clinton DNC dossier is central. Andrew McCabe testified. He said no Clinton DNC dossier, no warrant. No Clinton DNC dossier, there would have been no Mueller special counsel as well. That's the story. And uh, so don't you believe the media. And we're not done with here. We just keep on pushing. We are relentless. We sued this week also in federal court for transcripts of the court hearings at which this, these warrants were discussed. 
We want the transcripts. What went on? Now, we sued the Justice Department. The Justice Department told us they don't have the transcripts, at least the Carter Page warrant discussions. Now, the judge in that case had responded to Congress, Judge Collier, who I think is um, the head judge of the FISA court or the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. What happens is various judges from various jurisdictions compose the FISA court or the Federal Intelligence Surveillance Court. And I think Judge Collier is currently the the head of the court. And she wrote back to Congress, look, I've both informally and I'll tell you I don't object to these transcripts being released by the Justice Department. The Justice Department said they have no transcripts. So what Judicial Watch did is that we filed, um, so if the Justice Department doesn't have transcripts, presumably the court might have them. So Judicial Watch filed um, a brief with the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. We had to figure out how to do that because it's a, it's a court that you don't have easy access to, even for our lawyers. But we did get the brief filed. And uh, we are asking for these transcripts to be released. Now, it's possible there are no transcripts because, unfortunately, when you look at these warrants, they look pro forma. And they look like they've been rubber stamped by the judges who reviewed them. You know, in the secret court process, we're assured that the government and the courts bend over backwards to make sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Here you have the courts misled, And if there are no transcripts, the courts weren't doing their job in asking the government questions to follow up on what was present here. So uh, Judicial Watch really changed the national debate this week about the FISA spying because of this release. The president congratulated us. Maybe that's why he's being investigated, because he congratulated Judicial Watch. But he congratulated Judicial Watch and and me uh, in a tweet. Uh, I appeared on Fox News earlier this week to talk about it. And he quoted uh, quite generously from my appearance. I talked about this whole thing being a fraud and a hoax. Uh, And he he obviously uh, liked what I had to say. And he liked what Judicial Watch was saying. And so he sent out four tweets quoting Judicial Watch. So the president is on board with our analysis here. And you know what? The president deserves some credit. And I don't, know if he, I don't know if he understands this or whether he's been told this, because you have to kind of connect the dots. Earlier this year, you, remember, or you may remember Devin Nunes, the head of the Intelligence Committee, had a memo that disclosed an analysis of what was going on here with the misuse of the Clinton DNC dossier. The memo said that Uh, The Clinton DNC dossier was central to the application, proved. uh, Dennis Nunes memo said that uh, they cited newspaper sources as separate intelligence, when in fact it was the Clinton DNC material laundered through the news media by the reliable source that the uh, FBI was using and paying. True. They say nowhere in the document was the uh, Democrat-Clinton campaign relationship uh, to the Clinton DNC dossier, something the court probably would have wanted to know about. Was that in there? True. And now the deep state did not want that memo to come out. And Nunes and other House members asked the president to declassify the memo. 
so the people could know the truth about the FISA court abuse. And the president overrode the objections of Rod Rosenstein, the FBI, the deep state, and he declassified the memo. As a result of the declassification of that Nunes memo several months ago, it triggered the process under the Freedom of Information Act that ultimately led to this disclosure here. So thank you, President Trump, for getting the transparency train moving. And he's got to keep it moving because the next step he needs to do, and I encourage you to communicate with the White House about this, is he needs to, de- he needs to declassify the rest of it. I don't mean literally all of it, but according to Nunes and Bob Goodlatte, who's the head of the Judiciary Committee and others who have read this material in its entirety, or nearly in its entirety, the other material is as bad as the Clinton DNC dossier. More corruption. So if he declassifies that, it becomes public, and the FOIA process can work, and Judicial Watch can get more information for you, the American people. If you want the president to declassify, take additional steps and declassify this, follow up on his successful transparency anti-corruption effort earlier this year with an additional step, uh, then you should call the White House. I don't have the number in front of me. I think it's 4561414. I probably shouldn't even think out loud about that. But you can look up the White House comment line and let them know what you think. Uh, we'll, we'll get it for you uh, in the feed here or uh, with the video as we post it. So, I mean, Judicial Watch is right in the middle of it. So it's been a crazy week here. Um, I don't, you know, my colleagues and I have been working overtime to get this information out to the American people, uh, to make sure that you understand it, and uh, and to counteract the big media lies on this. Because if you look at the media analysis here, they think it's no big whoop. Believe me, this is the biggest whoop there is in terms of government corruption, and we're on it. And wouldn't it be out here, uh, but for uh, Judicial Watch's efforts, others have sued for it. Uh, but I tell you what, it was Judicial Watch who uh, really, I think, pushed it over the finish line, and certainly the president gave us credit. So that's just great news. Uh, it's disturbing news in a sense. It confirms outrageous corruption. You know, there's never been FISA warrants, I think, released before publicly. You know, and this is a rare thing. So you go online and you look at them because they've never been made available publicly. And the liberal media is going to lie to you about them. That's why you've got to read them and analyze them and, and, and review other good folks who are analyzing and reviewing them online and elsewhere. Uh, so we're doing the work to educate the American people, not only over the objections of the media, but seemingly over the objections of some of these big media, social media platforms. So there was some big news this week about the issue of shadow banning and Twitter. Now, I never really heard of shadow banning until probably six months ago. So shadow banning is generally making it more difficult for, uh, is a platform like Twitter, Facebook, or um, social platforms like Twitter, Facebook, I'm trying to think, YouTube, making it more difficult for an individual to find your content or you online. Now, that's done a variety of ways. Well, the latest scandal is that Twitter, uh, according to Vice News, who's no friend of conservatives, uh, if you use Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Tom Fitton, 
And if you went to the Twitter page and you typed into the Twitter search box, Tom Fitton, there is a, a, a number of Tom Fittons are generated automatically for you to choose from. Well, guess what? My Twitter handle wasn't among them. And Vice News found that the Twitter handles of the head of the Republican National Committee wasn't among them and other Republicans. And uh, Vice News did an analysis that found that Democrats weren't caught up in this. So it looks like if anyone was searching for certain conservatives and Republican leaders, they couldn't find them using this particular search function. But they would have been able to find liberals and Democrats. So that's that, that's that flavor of shadow ban that Twitter was engaged in. And what's interesting is that a few users had alerted me to this issue. You know, it's unclear about when it, they were telling me about it, but, you know, you kind of pick up on it when you're reviewing your Twitter feeds and your uh, responses and comments and replies to your posts. And I didn't think anything of it because I often attribute failures to find information or tweets to operator errors. So I'm kind of a, you know, I kind of try to keep it simple there. But then I saw this Vice News story and I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder if I'm caught up in this. So my colleagues and I figured it out, and we were. And I went online and I complained about it, and obviously uh, others complained about it. Uh, the president tweeted it out, uh, his concern about it, and Twitter fixed it immediately. Now, they've had an explanation about it since then, say that it was a glitch, and uh, I, you know, I'm not going to give, I'm just not going to go through and describe the technical excuses they had for why it happened. But it's pretty clear that someone had set up a system at Twitter in a recent software update to make it more likely for conservatives not to show up when their names were searched. You know, I had been tweeted, and this is one of the tweets I'd sent out in response, I've been tweeted out five or six times by the President of the United States, and I'm banned, however indirectly, by Twitter? I mean, is that a coincidence? And it isn't the first time the president has tweeted me out. I mean, Judicial Watch has how many followers, guys? Several hundred thousand. Well, I think probably about 500,000. I have 300,000 followers. There are a lot of other Tom, there's some other Tom Fittens on the internet. They obviously, uh, I don't know any of them, but I have a feeling they don't have 300,000 followers. So if you type Tom Fitton's name into a search box, you would think my Twitter handle might pop up in the list of 10 options you get. But it wasn't happening. Now, Twitter's fixed it, but it's a further indication, it's further reason why conservatives don't trust these social media platforms. Because this is what I think, is, this is what I think has happened. I don't know for sure, but this is my guess. They have leftists they've hired to run software, patches, engineers, uh, who have an agenda, and that agenda means supp includes suppressing conservatives on these platforms. And these entities need to get on the ball and understand that conservatives are being oppressed online in these social media platforms. The left is very organized, for instance, in complaining about conservative thought, and they've got systems in place. The more complaints you get, for instance, in Twitter, the more likely you are not to show up in certain searches. You can see how that can be easily gained by an organized left. And it's, you know, it goes to their bottom line. I mean, Facebook dropped 20% this week. 
As we speak today, Twitter dropped, I don't know, over 15%, I think. And you can bet the market is saying, look, if you don't have the trust of half the American people, you got a market problem, you got a business problem, you got a potential major business problem. So I would encourage, and we're very active on Facebook. Look, these platforms are essential to our mission. We educate the American people through the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. You're, you're watching me now on one of these platforms. CNN isn't going to run this video. To their credit, these other platforms make a views like Judicial Watch is available to millions of Americans and worldwide. So we want them to work well. But we're not going to stand by and be bullied and pushed around. And when we feel like we're being suppressed, we're going to call them out. And I'm not satisfied with Twitter's explanations. When you look at the explanation, and uh, you can go online and, and look it up, you'll see they essentially confirm that conservative voices were likely to be suppressed through the software update they uh, engaged in recently. And look, if we hadn't complained, it wouldn't have been fixed. I didn't know it was happening, for instance, until this news article appeared two and a half months after it started happening. As best I can tell, it happened early in May. I keep on looking at my colleagues here who are uh, videoing, but they're not responding to me. <laughs> the, uh, so... What, what should be the response? You shouldn't check out. You need to participate on the platforms. I really believe that strongly. You should make your voice heard on all the platforms as best you're able. And when you're being suppressed, you, could speak, you should speak out as well. And, uh, you know, someone like me you know, I have a big social media following, so when I say something, and when Judicial Watch say so, says something, you know, they pay attention. Twitter got back to me and said, I'm not being shadow banned. I'm not satisfied with that answer. But I know a lot of you don't have big social followings, and you feel like you're being suppressed, and you may be. Certainly based on this t- Twitter uh, ex- explanation the other day, or last night they had to issue in response to the public firestorm. So it's a major issue. And I think from a business, business uh, side of things, they don't want to suppress half the, their user base. So we'll see what happens, but uh, just keep that in mind. And if you like what I'm saying, you like what Judicial Watch is saying, look carefully for us online in case we are being suppressed. Because I don't trust these algorithms to get this material to you, even though you may follow us or support us. So I think that's the lesson here as well. You really need, if you think someone's important to follow online, be sure that you're continuing to get their material and take additional proactive steps to make sure you're doing that. Because it's not going to be suggested to you, I think, uh, by a lot of these social media platforms, the way things are going. So uh, that's, that's a big deal as well. Uh, also, uh, getting back to the corruption on FISA and Comey and the abuse of Donald Trump. Uh, We had some good news today and some bad news today. So the good news is that we had sued for the FBI, um, along with the Daily Caller News Foundation, 
we sued for, um, I thought I had the press release here. I guess I didn't print it out. So I'm going to go off on memory here. So Judicial Watch sued with the Daily Caller News Foundation for communications uh, between James Comey and certain politicians, Barack Obama, John McCain, people interesting like that, Joe Biden, people would want to figure out what he was talking to and about what, especially as it relates to the Russia scandal. So that lawsuit's proceeding. Then this IG report comes out a few weeks ago where it's disclosed, unsurprisingly, that James Comey was using personal emails, uh, his personal email system to conduct government business, which may be illegal and contrary to FBI rules, but he was doing it, just like, uh, just like in some ways Hillary was doing it. Now, uh, we asked the FBI, what's going on here? Are there government records in the system? Are you searching them? And in response, and you need to preserve them, the FBI sent a letter to James Comey asking him to preserve government records from those emails, those private emails he may have, and turn them back over to the FBI if he had them. That would not have happened but for Judicial Watch prodding the FBI to do so. And isn't it incredible, it's been over a year since the FBI, uh, the FBI director was fired by Donald Trump, that um, the FBI thought to ask Mr. Comey, hey, do you have any emails on your personal account like Hillary did? I mean, it's a big issue government-wide. Now, but the DOJ and the FBI continues to bend over backwards to protect Comey because they uh, refuse, A, to give us the letter they sent, and B, they, pres- they refuse to sign on or agree to a court preservation order for these records so that the FBI, DOJ, and Comey are noticed don't destroy records. So isn't that interesting? And they've taken that position with Peter Strzok and I think Lisa Page, where they sent preservation letters to them because they were also conducting government business on personal accounts evidently to hide what they were doing from the American people. But again, they've also refused the preservation order. So this Department of Justice that's raiding the lawyers, the lawyer of the president, raiding the home of Paul Manafort with guns drawn, refuses to hold their own accountable fully to the rule of law. That's the corruption. So... But at least Judicial Watch is doing more than Congress. We're doing more than the media, doing more than the Justice Department and the FBI to get these records and to make sure we know exactly what Mr. Comey was up to. We're asking for records that reflect on potential corruption. And it's only because of our pushing, our lawyers pushing, that the FBI bothered to ask Comey for records back. Incredible, isn't it? So a lot going on this week. Uh, there'll be more coming next week. There's more material coming. I have no, new struck emails to tell you about next week. Uh, there, there's a lot of things coming down the pike. Someone, uh, you know, I, I say, there's always something big about to come out from Judicial Watch. So always tune back here uh, for updates from me and my colleagues. I know Chris Farrell does reports and, and my other colleagues do weekly summary reports as well on, on breaking stories. But if you want to know the truth, you're not going to get it from the media. 
you're going to get it from us here at Judicial Watch. And we're your watchdog here in Washington, and we're happy and honored to be able to do it. Thank you very much. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.